Hey everyone, welcome to Know Your Food with Wardy. I'm Wardy, a wife and mom of three and author of The Complete Idiot's Guide to Fermenting Foods. I'm also the lead teacher, blogger, and owner of traditionalcookingschool.com. I'm so glad you're here. This is the podcast devoted to healthy family cooking with traditional methods like sourdough and old-fashioned pickling. These foods are easy, delicious, healing, and your family will love them. If you haven't already, be sure to grab my free gift for you. Five free traditional cooking videos from inside Traditional Cooking School that will introduce you to my favorite fundamental techniques of traditional cooking. To start watching today, go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash watch. And now, let's get to today's show. Hey everyone, this is Wardy with Know Your Food with Wardy podcast. Welcome to episode 164. And if you're catching this later, you can visit the show notes for links and more that I mentioned today at knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 164. There's going to be a lot of information about my special guest who you'll get to meet in a moment. And as I said, links and more about everything we're discussing today. Uh, You, if you have been listening or reading for a while, um, my podcast or traditional cooking school, you know that I love fermenting. And that's why I was so excited to have my guest today, Karen Christian. And she and her family, um, boy, you're just going to love hearing from them. And first, I want to start out with some don'ts that Karen shared with me. They don't live on a farm. They don't milk their own cows. She even said they failed terribly at gardening. But even though they don't have any of those things... They really have a strong desire to keep traditional homesteading skills alive, so they age their own cheeses, they butcher and process animals, they make salami and dry cured meats, they brew beer, they ferment veggies, they make yogurt, and they bake their own bread. So see, you don't need 100 acres, you don't need a milk cow to keep those homesteading skills alive, and I know that you're all going to be really inspired um, by what Karen and her family are doing. So let me give a warm hello to Karen. Hi, Karen. Hi, Karen. Hi, thank you so much for having me. This is going to be so thrilling. So I just gave a little bit of a teaser about you and your family, and I'd love you to fill us in on the rest. Tell us a little bit about your family and what you guys do and about your life. Okay, well, um, we have just this drive to keep doing things ourselves. So even though, like you said, we, we don't well, we're not very successful at gardening or homesteading or anything like that. We just, it seems like everywhere we look, we're trying to find ways to make our lives more complicated. (laughs) (laughs) I love how you said that. (laughs) Gluttons for punishment. (laughs) Well, I don't know. There's just something so satisfying about doing something yourself. And I think there's a real movement toward Mm -hmm. um, trying to bring back some traditional skills that are being lost and, you know, trying to trying to make things that you could buy if you wanted to that might still be readily available, but there's just such a satisfaction in making them yourself. So, um, yeah, like you said, uh, we've been making cheese for about five years and that probably is where our fermentation journey began making yogurt and cheese. And then we started adding all these other kitchen projects like making sausages. And then we wanted to make salami and then, you know, dry curing our meats and making, um, uh, you know, like taking a, a, a pork loin and making lonza or something like that. And it just kind of snowballed. Um, I read nourishing traditions and got the idea of um, really that idea just matched really well with our philosophy 
prior to that of making our own things and fermenting. And it's, we just kind of been adding a lot of different, a lot of different projects along the way. Mm -hmm. I Um, love that. I can totally resonate with that. It's like you start one thing and it snowballs into more. And I think a lot of the people that are listening today are going to be similar because, you know, other people might look at us and think you are crazy to do all that yourselves, but there is such a joy and yes, you can buy it, but there's that joy in the process. And there's also the, it's so much better. (laughs) It tastes better and so much better for you if you do it yourself. So keep going. Tell us a little bit more about this journey. Yeah. Well, almost all of these things that we have started doing ourselves, uh, we had to self-learn. I mean, not in the sense that we, you know, rediscovered on our, on our own, like how to make these things, but we didn't, we didn't have a family tradition of, of, you know, making cheese or, or making salami or things like this. We had to go look online and read books and seek out some mentors and friends who could show us how to do some of these things. So it's been an interesting experience. It feels like we're kind of relearning these skills um, James's grandfather, my husband, James, his grandfather, um, you know, he, he grew up on a farm and he, he used to make sausages and, um, butcher his pigs and his animals and things like that. And talking to him, it's like, it's like, there are all these skills that we're trying to learn that they used to be common knowledge, you know, like mm-hmm. people used to, to do these things. And I, we just, we just have this passion to, not only learn them for ourselves, but to try to make it possible to bring some of these traditions back and, and help people, you know, keep, keep them living, you know, mm-hmm. to, to keep them alive. So, and you have two young children. How do they feel about all this? <laughs> well, we have three now. Oh, actually. Three. Okay. Yep. <laughs> but they are, they, they like to help. Um, I have a, we have a four year old, a two year old and a six month old. And the two-year-old and four-year-old are very helpful in the kitchen. You know, they like to, to my four-year-old will cut up the carrots that we're fermenting. And she even, she even helps my husband when he's, you know, siphoning beer into the bottles. That's a really fun activity. She doesn't drink it, but you know, <laughs> she helps. Um, and yeah, they're, they're good helpers. And it's funny too, because um, a few months ago we, we butchered a, a pig and they were, they were there, they were running around the six, the six month, this was before the six month old was there. But, um, we kind of wondered how they would react to that because the last time we had, you know, butchered an animal, we had a a babysitter (laughs) to, to watch them. And it was actually pretty surprising. They, um, there was no, there was no fear or, you know, disgust or anything that, you know, someone maybe a little bit older would feel when they, they'd see, you know, it looked like a pig when they saw it, it was, it, it had already been, it had already been slaughtered, but we skinned the pig and we, we cut it into sections and everything. And they were just interested. And it's, it's kind of interesting to see if you don't taint your, right. your children with some of those preconceived notions, they, they just really accepted it. So, yeah. Yeah, totally. So give us a little bit of a peek into how actually you make this happen, practically speaking, because you're not, um, you're not on land, you're not 
you're trying at gardening. Um, <laughs> so where are you acquiring your agree- ingredients and how are you raising these animals or are you having other people raise them or how does this actually work for you? Well, we, we don't, we don't raise any animals. I think our our renters would throw a fit if we tried to keep some animals in our backyard here. Uh, But, um, no, we, we've gotten things from several sources. So we have a contact where we've gotten, um, you know, pigs from, or from a farmer's market, we've gotten, um, beef and, um, James has gone hunting. He hasn't always been very successful, but, um, but, you know, we're trying, we're trying to source our meats locally or, um, more naturally. Uh, but we also get meats from the grocery store to, to work and play with. And then, um, when we've made cheeses and things like that, you know, when I started making cheese, I, I had this thought that was, you know, I'm going to learn to make cheese so that someday when I live on a homestead, I'll be able to put my goat's milk to use or my cow's milk. That hasn't, that hasn't happened yet. We don't, we don't live in an area that would, you know, support, raising animals, but, um, you know, we either use grocery store milk or we have a a cow share where we can get some raw milk sometimes that I'll use. And we just cobble things together from whatever sources we have to, um, to use as ingredients. I love that. I think you are just such a great example and inspiration of someone who doesn't let things that other people would find insurmountable, like, oh, well, I can't do that then I can't do that, but you have not let it stop you. And that is fantastic. Kudos to you for that. Thank you. Yeah. So here's the thing I'm so excited to get into. But you and your husband have developed an awesome thing called the cave. Will you tell us about the cave? I would love to tell you about the cave. Um, So we, as we were, you know, starting our journey on making all these different things, we realized that the one thing we were missing was an actual cave, you know, like a, a place in the hillside to, you know, tunnel in that has cool conditions and humidity and would be perfect for aging cheeses or hanging salamis or something like this. But we didn't have access to that. And, um, you know, in, in our modern world, there are ways that we could try to cobble this, these, environmental conditions together, but we realized that it took a lot of work. So what, um, my husband and I have done is we have created, um, a product that we're calling the cave and it gives you the perfect environmental conditions for pretty much any fermentation project that you want to do. So you can have cool and humid conditions for, um, you know, making aging your cheeses or dry dry curing your salamis, or it can also control temperature to heat it so that you can have um, conditions for proofing bread or making yogurt. Or um, I mean, there's there's a number of applications that you can use for it. But um, yeah, so we we saw this need of something that we needed, and then we created a product that can control these conditions and. Um, we are launching a Kickstarter campaign right now to see if other people would like to use this and to be as crazy as we are and making all these different food things. It is so awesome. Yet another example of how you're not letting anything stop you. Now, everyone, you're listening, and I know you're anxious to check it out. So I have a link for you. Well, you can you can go to Karen and her husband's website, which is um, Swiss Hill 
Swiss Hills, plural, ferments, swisshillsferments.com. If you want to check out the Kickstarter in particular, which is ongoing right now at the time we're recording this, but we'll be wrapping up shortly afterward, that's tradcookschool.com slash the cave, where the cave is one word. Um, I love the cave, and I'm planning to support your Kickstarter, Karen. So Thank you. You, you just got one more supporter. <laughs> it's exciting. <laughs> so now let's get practical. First of all, um, you and James, this is like right up your alley. You have a doctorate in chemistry, yes. um, which you are applying toward fermenting. And James is a very good businessman. So I love it that the two of you are combining your talents to something that's so awesome for those of us who love fermenting. So Again, kudos to you. Let's get practical with what you can use the, the cave for. So, um, like, how does it work and what can you do in it? And just walk us through some of these things. Sure. So the cave is a, a fermentation control unit. And I'll just explain briefly how it how yeah. it kind of works, and then I'll, I'll give you some examples. But um, so it installs on a refrigerator. So you will need um, some type of cooling element to put it on. Um, but the cave has a touch screen, and you can control the temperature just from that. So it will tell your it will tell your refrigerator when to turn on, when to turn off, and if you need heat, it has a heater included in it. So it'll you know pump some some heat into your chamber. And then it also has an interior port where you can plug a humidifier in so that if you need those nice humid conditions for Mm -hmm. certain applications, um, you can control it just um, at the touch of a button. And then it also has a wireless application. So if you want to... if you want to check in and see what your conditions are, you know, while you're at work or something or out of town, you can just um, check in on your computer or your phone or your tablet or something like that. So it's it's designed to be very user-friendly, very easy to install. Um, it's just um, a, a simple application that you can put on your fridge to get you started right away. And you don't have to worry about, you know, I don't know, figuring basically refiguring out how to to make the conditions that you would need. So can you do this on a full-size refrigerator or even like an apartment size or like a, what are those small ones, you know, that you get in a motel? I mean, you can retrofit any refrigerator. Um, Almost any refrigerator. Cool. Ideally, you're going to want one that doesn't have dual temperature zones. So one that just has, that doesn't have like a freezer component to it. Okay. Um, if you, if you want a, a big one, the best way to do that would be to get a, um, a stand-up freezer or even a chest freezer would work too, but because those don't have different temperature zones to try to control. I see. And you yeah. have one built and functioning and at tradcookschool.com slash the cave, which is the Kickstarter. Um, I see some gorgeous photos of what has come out of your cave. Well, thank you. <laughs> Wow. So walk us through some of the things that we could do in a cave. Uh, well, um, you know, on our actually on our Kickstarter video, we're trying to highlight more than anything all the things you can make with it. And we have on there, you know, different cheeses you can make. Um, you can dry cure salami or, you know, you could make a venison ham or something like that. You can you could proof bread in there because you can control the temperature and also humidity so you don't have to, you know, put mm-hmm. plastic over it. Um, you can make yogurt, you can uh, ferment your beer or wine in there and have those specific controls, especially helpful if you want to lager your beer, because lagering a beer uh, requires lowering the temperature incrementally to almost freezing. So that is, you know, 
pretty easy way to do it. Hmm. Um, let me think what else I've made rice wine in there and sauerkraut in there. And, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting something. Tempa you could probably make in there. Although I haven't done that. <laughs> um, not all at the same time, of course, because yes. it's <laughs> required different Settings. conditions, but these are all possibilities. <laughs> Wow. So everyone, you need to go check this out, tradcookschool.com slash the cave. Or if the Kickstarter is no longer going, you can check out the details at swisshillsferments.com. So Karen, since you are a life, well, not lifelong, but longtime fermenter now, you know, many years, you've been experimenting and getting into this. Um, how about if you could you give us some tips on something that you've learned that that our, our listeners would find helpful in fermenting? Oh, yes. Well, um, <laughs> let me think. Um, well, I will, I'll, I'll bring it back to temperature okay. and say that um, for pretty much anything that you're going to ferment, temperature is, is a factor. And a lot of things that people can ferment can be fermented at room temperature, which is so mm-hmm. convenient. You know, you can, you can make your your lacto fermented items at room temperature, which I do all the time. Um, but um, but understanding how temperature plays a role will really, I think, help to create a more consistent product. So, um, for example, if your kombucha is sluggish, you know, if it doesn't seem to be progressing fast enough, if you warm it up just a few degrees, sometimes that makes all the difference. Or if you are uh, brewing beer, for example, and um, you your temperatures are swinging wildly throughout the day because you live in the desert and it's 30 degrees cold. Or, I don't know, you're keeping it in your back porch or something and it's 30 degrees colder at night, your, your beer is going to suffer. Sure. Um, so, I mean, whether you have a, a cave unit or not, there are things that you can do to help your ferments um, proceed in a, in a better way and to, um, to help those beneficial bacteria and yeasts and molds and things to thrive as opposed to negative ones. And a lot of times that, that comes down to what the temperature is and controlling how fast your foods are fermenting. So I would say for anything that, yeah, anything that ferments, temperature is going to be kind of the consistent um, factor there. Oh, I would totally agree. I mean, I I receive requests all the time to troubleshoot different ferments, sourdough or mm-hmm. veggies or cheese. And, you know, the first thing we talk about or that I bring up is tell me about the temperature. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because if it's not warm enough or it's too hot or there's too many fluctuations, then it's not it's not not necessarily gonna be a bad result, but it's not gonna be the result that like the recipe says yes. <laughs> it's not going to proceed just like that and in some of the examples you shared it, it might not might not turn out to be what you want so yeah temperature totally agree with that so I love that the cave solves one of those things uh, solves the temperature issue for us Right. Yeah. So uh, I know that people are very excited to check this out. So tell us how they can get involved. Um, like when they go to tradcookschool.com, walk us through some of the options. Tradcookschool.com slash the cave. 
Um, so if you take a look at our Kickstarter site, you, you should watch the video um, okay. and it'll explain some more about what you can do with the cave and how it works. And there's a description on there to explain what our Kickstarter is doing, what we're trying to raise money for. Um, you, there are also different rewards that you can select if you're interested in the cave. You can um, you can pledge money, and if we reach enough funding goal, then then we'll ship you one, and that would be great. But if you're <laughs> not to that level yet, and you just want to know more information about how to make cheese or how to make salami or something, um, we also have an ebook that we're selling that you could um, you could look for, or just other. We've got some other really cool prizes like a sourdough starter or a bacon making kit or you know a, a beer stein, things like that. So check it out see what see what we have and and spread the word yeah and I love it I love it that you've given people options if they're not quite ready for the cave but they believe in what you're doing a very small pledge you know eight dollars nets you three ebooks that are beautiful there's the Swiss Hills Guide to Brewing the Swiss Hills Guide to Cheese Making and the Swiss Hills Guide to Meats they look beautiful Thank you. Yeah, I've, I've tried really hard to distill all of the really important information, all the things that you would need and put it in, you know, a, an approachable guide that's got pictures and, mm-hmm. and, and some of them have recipes and yeah, so... Great. Okay. Well, everyone, we're going to wrap up here and I just want to point you to tradcookschool.com slash the caves for the kick, the cave for the Kickstarter information. You can also do Swiss Hills Ferments, which is Karen's website to learn more. It's probably the, the portal for everything that they're doing and sharing. And Karen, as we wrap up, is there anything you want to add before we say goodbye? Oh, just, I just want to give, um, uh, I don't know, just say, I, I hope that you are inspired because um, some of these things that I've done, like making cheese, it just sounds unapproachable to some people. But at the same time, it's it's a lot simpler once you understand the steps and and once you know what the process is like. And I just hope that you are inspired to go try something, whatever it is, if it's cheese making, if it's um, another traditional skill like wood carving or I don't know, anything that... Um, that is interesting to you. I think that hobbies like fermentation, um, just expand who you are as a person and make you more interesting and bring more culture to our lives. So (laughs) I'll just end with that, I guess. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Couldn't have ended on a better note. I totally agree. So get out there and make something simple, ferment something simple. I mean, you can take your yogurt or your kefir and you can drip it through cheesecloth and you have the easiest cheese in the world. Uh, And it's so delicious and so wonderful. Well, thank you, Karen, so much for being here. And I want to tell you and your husband, God bless you. And I really hope your Kickstarter uh, succeeds and that you are able to bring the cave to the world. It's so exciting. And as I said before, I am planning to support it. So I hope that others will join me. Thank you so much, Wardy. I really appreciate being on your show. Thanks, Karen. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you'll come back again. Let me tell you what you can do next. You can visit the show notes for this episode and get links and more resources about today's topic. Just visit knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash, and then without a space, type the number of this episode. You can stop by traditionalcookingschool.com slash watch to get five free traditional cooking videos from me. It's a gift. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, the podcast app, or Stitcher. If you're on a mobile device, just search for Know Your Food with Wardy while you're in the app. 
If you're on a desktop or laptop, go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash iTunes right in your browser. And while you're there, please leave a rating or review. I love to read your comments and your feedback makes it much more likely that others who are interested will find this podcast too. Thank you so much and God bless you.